Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. In 1991, my mother was killed in a tragic auto-pedestrian accident. Funeral arrangements were made, family gathered in the city where she lived, and we all returned home and carried on. About a month later, I was sleeping at home when the phone rang about 3am. I had to get up to answer it, as the only phone was in the kitchen. There was a, a lot of static on the line, and then, amazingly, I heard my mother's voice. She had a very distinctive voice, she sounded like Lucille Ball, so I could tell who it was immediately. I was so shocked I just couldn't make any sense of it. I remember that I said, Mother, where are you? All kinds of things were going through my mind. Was there maybe a case of mistaken identity? Was she not dead, but maybe just hurt instead, and couldn't remember anything? She seemed very confused and sort of frustrated, wouldn't answer any of my questions, but kept saying that she had to find June. She had lived on a road called Lake June Road, so I thought that that was what she meant. I was frantically trying to get her to say where she was, telling her that I wanted to help her. But after mentioning June a couple of more times, there was more static, and then the line went dead. 
I sat in the dark for a long time, wondering what to do and what the heck had just happened, and if possibly I'd imagined the whole thing. Finally, it was time to go to work, and I got ready and went. When I got to work, my dear friend and co-worker were a little bit late that morning too. When she arrived, she told me that she had a really bad night, and I said, tell me about it, you and me both. Then my face went white, and my hair stood on end, as she told me, yeah, my last night at about three, my Aunt June passed away. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. So this was May of 2017. My husband Jim and I, we own a five-floor, hundred-year-old building, which has our business in it, an antique mall, our apartment upstairs, and various other tenants. We'd had several back-to-back burglaries in prior years and had reinforced the front doors of the business pretty intensely. Aggressive steel bars, more cameras, etc. But anyway, at 3am we were sound asleep upstairs, as one is, but then we got a call from our security company... We had a motion detection in an unusual location, not the main floor where 90% of the jewellery is, but downstairs. That sort of thing is usually just a spider on the camera, or a mouse or something like that. So we ran out less than prepared. I was only wearing a tank top, undies and flip-flops. Jim did not grab his baseball bat, but at least had pants on. I went one way to check the front door, which was intact, and Jim went the other to check around back. Suddenly, though, he called me and said, somebody's inside. So I fumbled with my phone, trying to call 911. In that situation, your monkey brain is just in the driver's seat, and the phone is the black monolith from 2001. Finally, though, I managed it and rounded the backside of the building, narrating to the 911 operator. Broken glass, broken window... I said too, as I later heard during the run-up to the trial, oh my goodness, they're in there, please come now. Then, 
there was an unholy crash. It sounded like everything inside was being smashed to bits. And the feeling of listening to someone busy destroying your livelihood is something that I cannot quite capture. Who was in there? How many? What path of destruction was being wreaked? I could only yell down the phone at a faceless voice begging for help that I knew was still minutes away. Bear in mind I was freshly woken into a horrible situation, barely clothed, and it was escalating by the second. As it turned out, the burglar, Troy, had come face to face with Jim, trying to exit the building out of the broken window before I'd arrived. They locked eyes and Troy reversed direction back to the depths of the building. Then he dropped his backpack with stolen merch, flung himself bodily over a giant iron gate, smashed through the restaurant tenant's door, and then subsequently out their main door. At that point, he had caught a lot of glass to the face and body and was bleeding pretty badly. Jim caught him on the exit and pounced on him, full body slammed to the cement, then he pinned Troy. Adrenaline is wild. I wasn't crying, but urgently begging the operator to hurry. I was terrified that I was going to see my husband die before my eyes. And then I ran right into the fray because, again, adrenaline. It just gets right up on you and you just do the stupidest stuff when high on adrenaline like that. They were in the middle of the street though, dimly orange lit by the streetlights, and it was hard to pass what was going on. Thank the Lord though that Troy did not have a weapon and was wildly unprepared to have a madman tackle him in the dark. As it turned out, he had done hundreds of burglaries and never been caught. Jim had the upper hand and had him fully pinned down, and Troy was wisely playing possum. Suddenly though, we heard a roaring engine and someone laying rubber. Apparently, I started screaming. And yes, it was Troy's getaway driver, his wife Kelsey. She leaned out of her window and yelled, Get off of him, I'm going to kill you clearly captured on the audio, but I don't remember it. Not willing to wait, she then tried to run me over. I vaguely remember realizing things were going horribly wrong, but desperately trying to read the license plate onto the phone with an idiotic laser's focus. It was out of state and I struggled to read it, and that was pretty much it. My brain deleted how close she had come to turning me into bloody... My brain deleted just how close she had come to turning me into a bloody smear, within maybe a foot of me, I guess, fast, while I dodged like a badly clothed metador clutching my phone. We had to listen to the 911 recording a year later in the persecutor's office, synced with the video. The video was from a nearby business, with really good exterior cameras. Jim started crying, and he had no idea what a close call it was. The engine revving overwhelmed my screaming at a certain point. My voice was blown out. I was trying to chant the license number like an incantation, but you cannot hear it because the engine roar and the squealing tires were so loud. Jim let Troy go, of course. Troy jumped into the car and they tore off down the street. The police showed up a minute later, but they were gone by that point. Anyway, Troy had bled all over Jim from the door glass... Jim freaked out so hard later. We figured Troy was likely using IV drugs, correctly as it turned out, and I had to inspect Jim for cuts using a flashlight to make sure I missed nothing. He still got tested though. 
Unlike a number of other incidences, this one was taken pretty seriously due to the amount of evidence as well as violence and, you know, the attempted murder and all that. Several months later, they arrested Troy and Kelsey. They had Troy's DNA from the bloody clothes Jim was wearing and all over the car that they'd been driving, which had been stolen but ditched. It turned out they were wanted in five counties for hundreds of commercial burglaries over several years to support their oxy habits, back before the age of Fetty. But we were the only mess up that they had made. They apparently didn't know that we lived on the premises. Kelsey, the wife, flipped on Troy. They accepted a plea for her, much to my displeasure since she was the one that tried to kill me. But at least she ratted him out six ways to Sunday. He refused a plea. He wanted a trial. I would not wish a trial on my worst enemy, though. You get interviewed alone by the defense team. And did you know that they can lie? They sure can. They won't in front of the jury, but one-on-one -on -one they'll eat your soul and pick your teeth with the shards. You don't get a lawyer too, you're on team prosecution. Theoretically I can understand it, but it is utterly maddening. They took me first. They played the 911 tape, second time I'd heard it. They insisted that because I kept saying they're inside, that I was lying and that there was somebody else, not Troy or Kelsey. That I hadn't yet seen the person, so they were a they, which is what I told them adamantly. Then they took Jim, and they told Jim that I admitted that I'd lied, and there was another person inside the building. He luckily laughed and was like, absolutely not, she didn't. Finally, the day before trial, Troy accepted a plea, thank the lord. I had been having the stupidest meltdown ever. Do I dye my hair something other than purple? I'd just spent $700 on it. What shoes do I wear? I don't have conservative shoes. How can I cover my tattoos? Basically, the most pointless stuff that I could control because that train was rolling on without me. Kelsey got off with probation. Troy was in prison from 2017 to 2020 until he got released early, adjacent to COVID. Kelsey seems to be clean and living a normal life now, remarried with kids and she actually looks happy. I watch her on Facebook sometimes and I do occasionally wish that she was a raging case of hemorrhoids or something though. I guess I'm just not a saint. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This happened many years ago now when I was about 10 or 11 years old. I wouldn't describe the area that I was in as backwoods necessarily, but it was a wooded 100 plus acre ranch. The land is in the southwest part of the United States. My family owns the property and we have family reunions every year and all stay for about five days to camp. There's an area of the ranch too where we all set up camp and cook and eat. Getting to that part of the ranch requires driving through a small village and several gates for about two miles. The first gate beyond the village is slightly past a set of railroad tracks. And while that's a bit of a description, I admit, it is relevant later in the story. Now, because I had been camping at the ranch for as long as I really could remember, and the land was private, my parents would allow me to go off on my own during the day, as long as I didn't go too far. I'd spend time walking the property near our camp area, looking for arrowheads or trying to catch tadpoles in the ponds, stuff like that. On this day, I left the large camp area after lunch, which was around 11.30, and told my mum that I was going to a nearby creek. I planned on catching some tadpoles to bring back to the camp and be back on time for a swimming trip my cousins were planning. They wanted to go to a nearby river and I really didn't want to miss it. I made it down to the creek and got several tadpoles. I probably spent a total of 15 minutes down there, I would guess. To get back to camp, I would have needed to either climb up a relatively steep embankment with a lot of loose rock or circle around on a longer route with a flat trail. I would usually go up the embankment, but I didn't have a top for the water bottle that I caught the tadpoles with, and I didn't want to risk slipping and spilling them out and killing them. I had never walked the longer trail by myself, mind you, but I had with my dad and felt confident that I could find my way back to the camp. Anyway, as I walked back to the camp, I had my head down just looking for arrowheads in the washed out areas of the trail, when I started feeling a, a little creeped out as I continued walking. We all know that feeling like someone is watching you. It was unsettling, but I chalked it up to just getting spooked and being on a trail by myself or whatever. Now, the next part I cannot explain because it's as if a light switch just turned on or someone snapped their fingers and I came back to reality. Except when I came to, I was no longer on the trail that I'd been on before. I was now near the railroad tracks and it was completely dark. My mum was standing in front of me, shaking my shoulders and yelling, where were you? Two things I remember really clearly about the moments I came to are, one, the look of fear, anger, relief in my mum's tearful eyes as she was yelling at me, and two, the confusion that I felt about what the heck was going on. I mean, the last thing I remembered was just walking on the trail back to the camp, and now suddenly it was dark and I was at the railroad tracks leading to the ranch, which was over two miles away. The best that I can describe it is to compare it to the movie The Butterfly Effect. The main character would be living in one moment, then suddenly he'd just wake up somewhere entirely different. In any case, my parents drove me back to the camp and I learned that it was 10.30pm. This meant that I'd been gone for 11 hours, about 10 and a half of which I cannot account for to this day. 
My parents and all of my family had understandably freaked out when I hadn't returned to the camp. They had been looking for me all day. I was a really good kid though growing up and almost never broke any rules so my parents were baffled at my behavior that day. I tried to explain to them that I really had no memory of getting to the tracks but they didn't believe me. They thought maybe I just got lost and was too embarrassed to admit it. This was the only time that I've ever experienced something like this and I cannot explain just how unsettling it is to not be able to account for all of those hours that I was gone. Was it coincidence that I had that sort of creeped out feeling on the trail and then just lost ten and a half hours of my life like that? I wish I had answers for what happened, but honestly I really don't know if I ever will, which is why I'm here. Have any of you ever had anything similar happen? And if you have, then I would love to hear it. This happened to me when I was 17 years old. I was just about to graduate high school. I was homeschooled and very encouraged to pursue entrepreneurship. I was trying to establish a photography business that I could run after graduating. In order to build my portfolio, I decided to ask a few friends and acquaintances to model for me. I asked a girl I worked with if she and her husband would like to model a couple of sessions for me. It would be a win-win since they would receive free photos anyway, and I would get to add them to my website as sample work. So we planned a day to meet, and I asked them to meet at a local park one evening. Something you should know too about this park is that it is pretty far out in the country, the park has soccer fields, baseball fields, a golf course, and walking trails, so it is on a large plot of land and fairly secluded. The only house in view of the park is the caretaker's home directly across the street from the entrance. And unless there is an event or a weekend, there is usually not many people there. I felt pretty confident meeting the couple there because I was only planning to arrive about 15 minutes early to set up anyway, so I wouldn't be alone long anyway. Now, the park has an entrance where you can drive down a road into the parking lot to get to all the sports fields, playground, and down to the pond as well. The front of the park has a large grassy strip, which is where I was planning to set up for the photos. I bypassed the entrance and pulled into a little dirt section at the front of the park and began unloading all of my props. I was always taught to be a cautious person, especially as a young woman, so I took a quick glance to see if anyone was at the park. I saw one car in the parking lot and two guys tossing a baseball in the baseball field along with their pit bull. Across the street I could see the caretaker out in her yard so that made me feel a lot better. I decided that I would just keep an eye out and continued setting up my things. I would glance up every now and then to make sure that the two men were still on the baseball field and I mean I really had no reason to believe that they would bother me but something in my gut just told me to keep watch. The couple that I was waiting on seemed to be running late. I finished my setup and glanced up to check on the two guys. And to my horror, they were gone. The car was still there, but the men and the dog were nowhere in sight. There was a bit of a hill in front of me that blocked some of the park entrance from sight, so I thought maybe they had just decided to walk one of the nature trails or whatever. But again, that feeling in my gut just told me that something was wrong. 
I looked at the caretaker's house and she had gone back inside. I couldn't get everything back into the car quickly so I just grabbed my camera equipment and hopped into my car. I locked the doors, turned on the ignition and got my phone out. And literally, as soon as I got settled in my car, I see the two guys coming over the hill with their dog. I feel my gut feeling melt into panic. I mean, you have to understand that there is no reason for them to come up where I was. It's literally just an open grassy field. If the dog needed to relieve himself, then there was plenty of space for that at the edges of the wood, or the nature trail, or the walk to the pond, all of which were way closer to them than where I was. But they walked around my setup, and when they got to my car, one guy went around the front, and the one holding the dog on the leash circled my car. I assumed that they had realized that I had already noticed that they were coming, and that I was no longer vulnerable because they rejoined and walked further down, up, and around the soccer field. Once I felt that I was no longer in danger, I glanced down at my phone to see that the couple that I was supposed to meet had apparently forgotten about it and were at the beach. I was so fed up at that point that I jumped out of the car, grabbed all of my props, and just shoved them in. This was my first experience of how scary it can be to be a woman out there alone like this. I've had some other experiences since then, but this one always sticks out to me the most because I am absolutely certain that those guys intended to do me harm. And what kind of match would a 17-year-old girl be against two grown men and a pit bull? One thing is for certain, though. I will never go back to that park alone. When I was in school about 15 years ago, a group of friends and I were hanging out at our friend Dale's house. We lived way out in the country, also technically part of Appalachia, and the kind of middle of nowhere where the nearest neighbors are a few miles up the road. Dale happened to have a cave near his property that we liked to explore and be dumb teenagers in. To get to the cave, you had to walk roughly a mile through dense woods and cross a big field. We had yet to find the end of the cave system, despite exploring for hours at a time multiple times. And one day, we had spent the better part of the afternoon exploring the caves, and it had gotten dark by the time that we emerged. We already had flashlights, so that was no big deal. My memory is a little bit fuzzy on the exact details, but for some reason our friend Sam decided to go back to the house a little earlier. I want to say that he ordered pizza or something and he went to meet the driver or something like that. But the rest of us started making our way back through the woods to Dale's house when we started hearing voices in the woods. We were asking each other if we heard that and where it was coming from, but we each had a different direction of where we thought that it was coming from. Whatever it was, it was a childlike voice and it sounded like talking or whispering, but you really couldn't make out what was being said. At this point, we thought one of our friends was messing with us and started to talk back to it. It sounded like a child giggling though and then our flashlight started to flicker and die as well. We now had one dim light left to get the rest of the way back. We were all thoroughly freaked out, prank or not, then hightailed it back to the house, adrenaline pumping. We all got into the house, shut the door and... I felt a sense of safety for a split second, 
before the crucifix on the wall literally came off the wall and broke on the floor. It seems like something out of a bad horror movie, I know, but we all watched it legitimately come off the wall and crash to the ground for no apparent reason. Before that moment, I hadn't been convinced that it wasn't our other friend Sam that was messing with us, even though he really wasn't the type. We all started word vomiting at Sam trying to explain what had just happened and question if he had something to do with it, but he genuinely seemed freaked out and confused. He actually said that on his way back to the house earlier, he kept hearing weird things and seeing lights in the woods and he thought it was us trying to play a prank on him. To this day, I still don't know what it was. And sure, maybe our friend is a great actor, but I honestly don't think that it was a prank. The feeling that I got in the woods, like every hair standing on end, goosebumps on goosebumps, and every fiber of my being screaming to run. I've never felt that again, even with pranks, and never want to. This happened a few weeks ago and it was so bizarre that I still think about it every so often. I was babysitting my nieces, 8 and 10, since my sister was going out to meet this other girl at a coffee shop. I offered to babysit my nieces since her house was nice and I didn't have anything else to do that night, so I decided why not. At first, we just watched movies and played video games together. Later on into the night, I noticed they didn't eat anything, and so I asked them if they were hungry. They both replied no at first. That's when I said that I can make a quasadilla for them, or anything else they want. They still replied no. When I mentioned pizza, they immediately yelled yes. Of course they would. And well, that was a bad idea that night. When I called the local pizza hut, I ordered two large pizzas to be delivered. Keep in mind that I went outside to make this phone call, quite loudly I should say, because it was dead silent outside as well. I only went outside because I noticed a bag on the street, and I thought that it was mine or somebody else's. It was just trash when I looked closely at it. I'm assuming that this was the neighbor's trash bag. Anyway, 20 minutes go by and I hear a doorbell ring. It was the Pizza Hut delivery girl. I paid her in cash and I took the pizzas to the kitchen where my nieces were eating at. And this is when the weird stuff happens. You see, not even 10 minutes go by and I hear the doorbell again. I was skeptical at first and looked out the window. It was hard to see much of anything by this point. I opened the door, only to be greeted by an old man with a pizza box in his hand. He says to me, Hello son, I got your pizza that you ordered. I tried to answer in a way that would divert the situation. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't order any pizza. You must have got the wrong location. That's when I tried to close the door, but he pushed his hand on the door hard. Are you sure? He replied. I firmly replied back, yes, and I closed the door. I thought that that was the end of that. Until one of my nieces told me, why is there a man just standing outside of our house? I was confused, but my heart started to pound when I thought that it was the same old man from earlier. And I was right. It was the same old man, still standing outside the house with the pizza box still in his hand. I was absolutely livid. 
I opened the door furiously and yelled at him that I would call the cops immediately. He ran off at that. My sister arrived two hours later and I told her of what happened. She looked immediately concerned and then asked who it was. I told her that it was an old man who impersonated a pizza delivery worker. I don't know what she did after I told her. I'm not sure if she called the cops to file a report or not. But what I do know is that it is a night I won't be forgetting quickly. I never really tell anyone about this story, but hearing all the stories here, I feel like I should share it. Because of this, I don't go on walks alone or even with friends, unless it's in a very public place. But even then, I still am paranoid, I admit. With that being said, my friend's family had just moved to a new town 15 minutes from where I lived. It was a complete ghost town with one tiny grocery store, a post office, and a school. This town was so secluded and quiet that I rarely ever saw cars drive by. One night though, as we were unpacking boxes, we heard a knock at the door. It was a big tall guy with a shotgun in his hands. Being from Oklahoma, this could mean that you're either meeting your hick new neighbor, or it's actually someone wanting to harm us. Turns out it was just a hick neighbor coming in to introduce himself. He told my friend's mom about the lack of police and how everyone tends to carry their own guns in order to protect themselves, because the police were usually no help and 15 minutes away anyway. He also talked about how these areas can be dangerous and that my friend's mom should keep a gun with her. At this time, I was 13 years old and knowing this information, you would think that I would simply stay my butt inside and not wander the streets of this dangerous hillbilly ghost town. But I did. There was no service, no cable and nothing to do but go outside. We would walk to the store and get snacks, walk to the school and play on the playground. Majority of the time we wouldn't see a single car or person but the same clerk in the grocery store on every walk that we took. Now, there was a day that my dad had brought me to her house and right off the bat we walked to the park. That day I was sick to my stomach but was eager to go and see my friend so I went anyways. I had a terrible feeling for some reason and now that I'm older and have experienced bad anxiety I can now say that that day I was experiencing some pretty bad anxiety and didn't know why I felt this way. When we got there, we had actually ended up hanging out with an old friend who had transferred to this school a year prior. After he left, we sat on the bench for what felt like ages, taking selfies and just talking. When all of a sudden, the stereotypical creepy van pulls up to the park. Now, my friend was and still is way braver than I was and will ever be and she is always the daredevil type. But for some reason, around this time... I just assumed it was a family coming to play and my anxiety wasn't there. But my friend was scared and she immediately had a bad feeling when the van pulled up and I could tell that she was ready to leave. In the end though we decided to stay and see who it was before we just ran off. Of course like something out of a movie came out two big men literally barreling over to where we were. We immediately started to run away and they tried to follow and grab us. They got back into the van eventually and followed us. I have no idea how too, but they didn't catch up to us, but 
We just ran as fast as we could up the road and straight to the grocery store. I was horrified when we got inside and I couldn't even speak. That sick feeling that I felt on the way to my friend's house made complete sense now. My mum was always watching true crime growing up and sometimes she would have me watch it with her. So I was always really scared to walk around because of that. But even with that fear, I never thought that it would actually happen to me. The van was parked across the street, but eventually it drove off. We walked home with no way to call anyone, thinking that they could be waiting for us around every corner with absolutely nobody around. It was and still is the scariest day that I've had. I didn't tell anyone for years, which was stupid of me, I know, but at 13 years old, I didn't know what to do. I'm turning 21 soon, and this story still keeps me up at night sometimes. I can't help but imagine what would have happened if they had actually captured me and my friend, where we would have gone, and what would have happened to us. My grandparents owned about 20 acres of land in central Missouri, and throughout my childhood, my parents would send me to stay with them. The house that they lived in was very old. There was also a local legend that the guy who originally built it ritualistically killed his daughter and wife. In exchange, the devil supposedly gave him two magic rings. One allowed him to transform into a massive wolf, and the other allowed him to become a bear. My grandpa always loved to tell me that story just to freak me out, and quite honestly, none of us really ever believed it. But one night when I was about 10, my grandparents left me alone in the house to go and play poker at a friend's. And it was around 10pm when I began hearing howling circling the house. I was panicking, but then I heard scratching on the front door. Slow, methodical scratching. Not like it was trying to get in, but like it was doing it to intimidate me. The howling started to sound to me human around then as well, like somebody was yelling. Completely freaked out, I ran upstairs and hid under my bed. Eventually, the noises all stopped and I went to the window to look outside. In the moonlight, I saw a massive wolf standing in the front yard. It locked eyes with me and then it stood up on its back legs. I screamed at that and was crying. I hid under my bed until my grandparents got back hours later. Surprisingly too, they actually believed me because there were really large scratch marks on the front door. But weirdly, the marks started above the door. So high up, the one who carved them would have had to have been at least eight feet tall. Now, I don't know if any of this is just coincidence or not, but the fact that I knew about that story and then this happened to me, I really don't know what to think. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.